Welcome to the Anxiety Slayer series. Our mission is to assist you with creating more peace and tranquility in your life through anxiety release exercises and supportive tools created to slay your anxiety. Welcome everyone to another Slayer session. I am happy to share with you today an interview with somebody other than Ananga. And we are so excited to have Margaret Raffel here from livingelite.ca. And Margaret reached out to us a while back in the hopes that we would have a conversation or maybe she could join us for a podcast. And it came at such a wonderful time because Ananga and I were talking about how we wanted to invite more professional people in to help us with the Anxiety Slayer story. And so here we are, the very first Slayer session with a guest, with Margaret Raffel. Margaret is a neuroscience expert, a culinary nutritionist, a certified kinesiologist, fitness instructor, daughter, sister, cat owner, world traveler, keynote speaker, and life enthusiast. I'm so glad to have you here today, Margaret. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Shan. That was an amazing introduction. (laughs) Make me sound so good. I had fun rolling through your website and reading your your bio and your story and information and, and can tell there's a lot of joy in your life and what you do and really grateful that you're going to be uh, sharing with us today and um, just giving us some more information from your particular place in the world about anxiety. And that really leads to my very first question is, have you dealt with anxiety before? And if so, how has it affected your life? That's such a great question, Shannon. I'm so glad you asked because there's so many there's so many professionals out there and there's so many practitioners who who treat these conditions but may or may not really have personal experience with it themselves. And I guess right now I can look at it at a re- in a really fortunate light. It doesn't really seem like it at the time. And of course, when you're in the middle of having anxiety, it really doesn't, you don't look at it like a blessing. But it's been able to connect me with such amazing people. And um, I think it was at its worst. It started when, it, when I was in my late teens and then when I progressed into my early 20s, it got really, uh, really bad. So I think the, the worst part of it was uh, it actually got to a point where, where I couldn't leave my house, where I was severely agoraphobic and having daily, daily panic attacks. And I'm so happy to say that I've, I've really gotten to a place where I'm medication-free and traveling all over the world by myself, which is so for anybody who experiences agoraphobia or anybody who experiences panic attacks, it's such a, it's such a huge thing. And I feel like it's so liberating to be where I am now. And, and all I really want to do is sort of help people get to that place, um, whether it's with or without medication, because uh, some people really need that sort of aspect of things as well. But we can also help all the other aspects of their lives to be able to make it make the transition sort of as pleasant as possible. That's so important. And how brave of you to share your story and then to be on the other side, uh, to be able to look back and say, Oh, thank goodness I'm here. And I am medication free and I'm living my life with joy. Yeah, exactly. And it's so, um, it's so cool to see other people who have, who have really gotten to that place. And it's hard to even put into words, but the, 
I guess the biggest way you can explain it is this sort of like weight release and this sigh of relief, just, mm-hmm. which is so nice. Mm-hmm. So back when you were in that place, obviously not leaving your home affects your life. Definitely. How else did it affect your life? Um, it affected my life and my, uh, my eating habits. I know usually it can go uh, one of both ways, either people will really start to sort of binge eat when they feel really anxious. Mine was sort of the opposite. I would completely lose my appetite when I got anxious as well. And everybody thinks, oh, well, that's a great thing. And it it stops you from sort of overeating, but it it really wasn't. And I'd really rather be sort of where I am right now, which is definitely not as, uh, as starved as I was back then, because they just felt, you would just feel so awful. And if you're starving yourself of all like important nutrients that you really need and ultimately not, not eating or overeating are just going to feed into the condition and make it more and more worse. Mm-hmm. So that was also affected it as well. And then you start to isolate yourself because you really don't think anybody around you understands. Um, so the thing that I, biggest thing that I want to make clear is that it's so, so common. And once you start talking about it, you'll see everybody sort of coming out of the woodwork and, uh, and really struggling with a lot of similar things themselves in their own lives. We've seen that quite a bit with our work through Anxiety Slayer, the uh, relief of our listeners and readers that, that they're not alone and that they have support and that Ananga and I aren't coming to them as people who have not suffered. We've been there too, and sometimes we still go there. And so to be able to share resources to help people move through anxiety with as much grace as possible is is a blessing. I'd like to know what triggered you to begin the path of natural and holistic treatment. Well, like most people, I found that sort of natural treatment and holistic treatment, as unfortunate as this is, is that it almost becomes a last resort for a lot of people. I took the same uh, therapy route and I really encourage people to go to therapy because it is somebody to talk to, whether it's, uh, whether it's the therapy of, of friends or whether it's a, a licensed psychotherapist, but at that I found really beneficial. It was the whole, it was the medical route when going through that because I have been on medications before for it and the side effects were just awful. So I felt like the pendulum sort of swung from depression, from, sorry, from anxiety all the way to the other end of the spectrum, which was depression and overeating. So it was that uh, it was that sort of unhappiness with the medical model that I knew that something needed to change. And at that point in time, I was actually writing my MCATs, getting ready to go to medical school. So I had to have this sort of really honest sit down and talk with myself saying, you know, I just, is this something that a, that I want to be a part of and devote my life to, even though I know on one hand, it's not really working for me. So I I had to really commit to making a, to making a decision as to what was best for me. And one of my girlfriends is a naturopathic doctor. And I was always sort of hesitant about alternative approaches, but as soon as I started implementing things slowly one by one and really getting in touch with, uh, with what I was putting into my body and how I was treating my body also from the outside. That uh, it was then that it's the pieces of the puzzle slowly started to come together. And then I finally realized that this is where, this is where I was needed. And I went through this for a reason and I really need to, 
to continue on this sort of holistic pathway or this biomedical pathway to be able to, and I'm not against the medical model, but I really need to be able to incorporate and know that every aspect of your life is contributing to this. And it's not until, it's not going to go away with a magic pill. And it's not until you, and most doctors would agree as well. It's not until you really decide to make a difference in every facet of your life. And that may be with or without the additional use of medication that things really start to turn around. And it was then that I took sort of the natural approach to, to being able to how to figure it out myself. And of course that led to more schooling and more knowledge and, uh, and ultimately, the the learning never ends. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so true. And and I know that you're aware that Ananga and I talk quite a bit about Ayurveda, and yeah, lots of natural and holistic treatments, as well as um, just incorporating more holistic, natural, whole foods in, into our diets, and paying attention to our doshas, and and really treating ourselves with respect. It makes such a big difference, and I know that you can tell us lots about how the food we eat affects anxiety levels. I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, absolutely, because that's the thing. When it started, I knew that these things started to affect started to affect our brain, but always, I always need to know why. Mm-hmm. So that sort of led me down my uh, my educational path, which I'm still pursuing as well. But just to give you an idea, I mean, there's some things that are sort of a no-brainer to us. So you all, everybody knows that caffeine is a central nervous stimulant. So that obviously can increase anxiety. But there's other things that we don't think about. So there's things like alcohol, which I know is a sedative. And I know a lot of people dealing with anxiety that actually use alcohol as a, as a medication to it. But the thing that's scary about alcohol is actually it has effects on your brain that depletes the serotonin and depletes adenosine and depletes the, uh, the norepinephrine. And you don't need to know what these things are just to know that it actually alters the physical chemistry of your brain to be able to act as a depressive and really take away the things that increase your mood and increase your sense of well-being. And that's why a lot of the times the medications, the pharmaceutical medications that you'll be put on are actually antidepressants at the same time because it's the same neurochemicals in the brain that control anxiety and that control depression. They're so closely tied together. And alcohol, we know, is a central nervous depressant, but it's the next day a lot of the time that people have to worry about. It's that sort of hangover Mm -hmm. because as your body's detoxing, heart rate's going to increase, you're going to feel anxious and sweaty. And a lot of times that can cycle back into people, to people drinking more because they don't like those withdrawal symptoms. So for somebody suffering from anxiety, alcohol can be, can be a really dangerous thing. Um, there's also sugar and recent studies have shown that sugar can actually have a similar, a similar effect on the brain chemistry as it does for opiate addicts. So I don't know if you've ever noticed, but I know that Some people that I've talked to, and I know myself, going into an anxiety attack, as soon as that ends and I come, you come out of it and you start to sort of come down, the first thing I'd reach for is sugary food to get that instant dopamine fix, to Mm -hmm. get that instant, uh, that instant boost. And that's something you have to be really careful of because it's going to, the faster something goes up, the faster it's going to come down. So if you're reaching for something that's a quick fix, your chemicals in your brain that it's temporarily boosting are going to plummet 
And that's when the craving starts to kick in and then can actually start to induce anxiety and withdrawal symptoms from the sugar. You know, it's interesting that you bring up sugar. I have given up all forms of sugar coming on 90 days tomorrow being sugar-free. Oh, amazing. Yeah, and, and I have noticed so many wonderful changes. And, you know, it's not just the sweets. It's it's all of the, the carbohydrates, too, that, you know, the wheat and, and gluten and um, just almost all carbs unless they're delivered in a, a vegetable or fruit form. And I can tell you that I am much more even in my emotions. I'm sleeping better. I have more energy. And I was finally able to do this because I looked at it as an experiment. Like, what would happen if versus, oh my gosh, I have to give up sugar. Yes, exactly. (laughs) You know, what would happen if I just tried this? For a couple of weeks, I'll cut out all of it. And then for 120 days, I'll see how well I can do. And it has been so much easier and so much more fun. And there's been an incredible cloud that has lifted, almost like a fog that has lifted that I didn't even realize was there. Oh, I know. It's amazing, right? And it's so great. I'm glad that you brought up that you set milestones because if if we said today sort of, okay, well, starting Monday, I'm going to give up sugar. What are we going to do for the whole weekend? We're going to binge on all the sugar we can get in our system before we have to give it up. And we go in a lot of times with the intention of, I'm going to give this up for good. And for good is a long time, but Mm -hmm. setting small milestones, like you were saying, trying to go seven days, seeing just how the seven days goes and not with any expectations of it, but just letting it happen and seeing what the results are. Yeah, it's been phenomenal. And my plan is to continue through the 120, if, you know, if I've made it to 90 fairly easily, to continue through the 120. And what I'm already noticing is uh, I'm training my family as well without uh, telling them you can't have any either. <laughs> I, am the, I am the one doing the shopping. And so we've just been little by little by little eliminating things that we didn't need to bring in. And, and if I'm honest, I've been working at this for a couple of years now on my own, you know, just little changes, just, you know, making one choice over the next, using coconut milk instead of cow's milk, using olive oil or coconut oil over any other, you know, just little tiny changes. And and I've noticed a big, big difference. And when you were talking about alcohol, I was thinking about, I didn't understand that alcohol could actually rob you of sleep. That if, if yeah, yeah. And so people are drinking before bed and then waking up in the middle of the night anxious. Right, of course, when they start to detox it in the middle of the night. Yeah, and, and wondering what in the world's going on. And that's when they start to get paranoid and start to question every, maybe every single thing that came out of their mouth. And, you know, I'm not talking about like binge drinking, but even if you were to have a couple of drinks before bed, it can really affect your sleep. Yeah, definitely, for sure. And then, and also too, because I know that asking everybody to give up alcohol for good is, is a, it is a tall order, but just even it does wonders just understanding what's happening. So if yeah. you're waking up in the middle of the night, not knowing why, just if you have an understanding and a grasp of this is what's going on in my body, it's not a great thing, but I'm not going to die. And this isn't the end of the world here, but 
it may be attributed to the alcohol and just taking it as though, just taking it for what it is. And that's sort of, yeah, the biggest thing that, and it's so hard to do that when you suffer from anxiety because everything is the worst thing in the world at that moment. Sure. It's amplified to a level that you, you are questioning what's going to happen and am I going to die? Or, you know, there's all kinds of things that come up. And I remember when I learned, when I first learned about that, I, I, I was so grateful just to have that knowledge because sure. then I could say, okay, I know exactly what's going on yeah. and, yeah. and I'm going to make a better choice next time. And, and if I am going to drink alcohol, I'm going to make sure that I stop at a certain time and give myself plenty of time to hydrate or whatever it is I need before I actually go to bed. And, you know, the same thing with sugar. It's not that I'm going to give up sugar for the rest of my life. That would be setting myself up for failure. That would not be telling you the truth. Yeah. But, what I, but what I do know is that the choices that I make in that area will be very calculated. It will be, this is a treat, and I'm going to allow myself to have this treat and enjoy it fully. And I'm not sure when I'm going to have it again but I probably will have it again versus one, one of my things was bringing home. There was always a bag of corn chips in every grocery cart. So anytime I went grocery shopping, I, you know, big bag of corn chips, which I had no idea that they were just turning right to sugar in my body a second later. <laughs> you know, I didn't know. I don't have your background, right? I just knew I liked crunchy, salty. And so now I've learned how to make almond crackers, and now I've learned how to make, you know, kale, just dehydrate kale and do fun different things to make kale taste better. And, that, and that's part of the experimenting. It's, it's so much fun to just see what other things you can do and the choices that you can make, and then all of that comes back around and you feel better. Yeah, definitely. And you touched on it as well, just making small substitutions that you may not even notice. I mean, giving up cow's milk is a huge thing. And picking up something like coconut milk, which has such amazing health benefits instead of it. And I actually think coconut milk, uh, if you're having it with a bit of oatmeal or cereal, tastes better than cow's milk anyways, because you get a bit of that coconut. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, just small substitutions like that and really watching what kind of oils you're using and at what temperatures and, and just being mindful of, uh, of how, of the small little additives that you're making to your food that a lot of people don't really, don't really put much consideration into. Right. And it's just good for us to bring that up. No one has to have this all figured out in a day. No, absolutely. And it took th- years. This was, I won't, <laughs> won't divulge my age, but this is years ago. So. <laughs> well, and some of us don't want to know until we're ready to know. Yeah. And, and that's, that's- you know, that for me was like, okay, well, you know what? I can do this because I don't feel like that's taking away from being satisfied or, you know, whatever I was hoping to be satisfied with. I I really enjoy food and I enjoy cooking and I know what I'm doing in the kitchen and to be able to make better choices, uh, you know, it does come a little bit easier for me because I love to cook. But to be in a position like you, to be a culinary nutritionist, oh man, you know, that is a direction that I think, oh, okay, I'm learning so much as a layperson here and, and learning so much in my own experience. How cool would it be to have even more information from someone like you so that I can continue and, and to enjoy it and, and to be really successful with the choices that I make for myself and my family? 
Yeah, and I feel like that's where that's just where it starts, and it just starts with this with the tiny things, and then you start to feel a little bit better. The positive reinforcement comes in, and then it's sort of you want to know more and more and more and and more ways to feel better, of course. Mm-hmm. And I think another uh, another small thing that I wanted to uh, bring up as well, just sort of along the same lines, but on the other end of the same spectrum, was to also, and this sounds, and I don't want this to come across as, as harsh because I did it myself, but not indulging in the drama of it, um, which I think is would part of what I was sort of addicted to as well. If I, if something was wrong, I'd be Googling it to find out the worst case scenarios, mm. possible things that like, what is the worst case scenario of the possible thing that could happen here? And there was like a 0.1% chance that this could happen, but that's what I was dwell and ruminate on. And mm. it's, yeah, there is part where you have to say there's part of your sort of ego that wants to indulge in that but and that's another aspect apart from food that of course that has to be um sort of has to be addressed at all as well right um, but again yeah knowing what you need to find information about but also knowing when you need to stop as well right I agree well let's let's move the conversation in a new direction and talk about the ways that exercise can aid in the elimination of anxiety and anxious feelings. Yep, definitely. I would say exercise has had a huge part in uh, anybody that I worked with recovery, uh, as well as my own too. Now, it's tough for some people because some people have exercise-induced anxiety. And they know, they associate, because the feelings of exercising are kind of close to the feelings of having anxiety. I mean, you have the increased heart rate, you're sweating. But knowing that increasing your heart rate and sweating are things that need to happen when you're exercising, that you're actually doing yourself a great benefit and you're not going to be harmed. And if anything, this is really going to help, uh, help your brain chemistry. And what you really want to aim to get through is at least the first 20 minutes of exercise. Because after 20 minutes, that's when the endorphins really kick in and that's when you really get to the level of changing your brain chemistry and being able to really encourage the influx of dopamine and the increase of the endorphins. And it's what a lot of people refer to as the runner's high. So as soon as sort of that 15 or 20 minute mark happens, a lot of the time you'll feel this sort of, like you'll feel this sigh of relief and you'll feel like you can go forever. But a lot of people who suffer from exercise-induced anxiety they'll be scared to exercise because they don't want to experience those anxiety like conditions that their right. body undergoes. But it's really about, and of course every individual person is going to be a bit different, but if you can get to a place where exercise is part of your daily regime, even if it's a 20, 25 minute bike ride, hitting that 20 minute, 15 or 20 minute mark, when you start to feel like a small release, that's when you're going to start to change your brain chemistry and that's when you're going to start to really be able to cope with and rise above those anxious feelings because you're changing your brain chemistry. And is this also something that can be accomplished with somebody who start, who begins walking and then evolves into other activities? Absolutely. Walking Walking is amazing. Walking is perfect, especially since it's getting so nice out. Uh, I know I'm here in Toronto and we've only had a couple really nice days so far. So I'm so excited uh, mm-hmm. to see the weather's turning around. But 
just getting out there, not only getting out there too, to, to walk outside if you can, but even in the summer, how, of course, I encourage everybody to wear sunscreen, but even the availability of getting the vitamin D from the sun, it's going to do wonders for enhancing your mood as well and really decreasing anxiety. So walking outside on a sunny day, even just for 20 minutes, you'd be really surprised with the amount of the amount of benefit you'll really feel just for the rest of the day, especially if you do it first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think it's important that people know that start where they are. And if you're walking, you can, you know, turn that into walking and then maybe speed up for a little bit. You know, look as far as your eye can see and say, okay, I'm going to walk at just a little quicker pace until I get to that mailbox. <laughs> or, yeah, you know, and then slow down again and then pick, kick it up again and, and just, again, experiment with it, play with it, time it out. And it's amazing how much better you will feel just moving your body, just living in your body. Yeah. And you really hit it on the head with, with getting a natural, a natural progression and a slow increase because we don't want somebody who's completely sedentary going out and all of a sudden taking some sort of, um, a boot camp class or a, like a CrossFit class that's super intense because that may, it may turn them off and it may increase their anxiety especially being in that setting where it's, it's a tense setting. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, yeah. So just starting off exactly where you are and starting off with the, the 20 minute walk and making sure you get a bit of sunshine. So it is an amazing place to start and it's consistency that's going to pay it off and really help to rewire those neurons in your brain. Really interesting and really easy. If we just allow ourselves to look at this as, Oh, you know, I can do that. That's, that's a great place to start. Yeah, Absolutely. So I'd like to know if you could share three things that our listeners can do today that would decrease their anxiety levels. What would they be? Hmm. Three questions. So there are three sort of umbrella areas that we covered, which were exercise, diet, and we didn't really cover meditation, but we did cover sort of a a mental aspect of things where you're taking away from the drama and you're really focusing on the things that are helping you. So I would say those are the three umbrella things that you would do exercise, some sort of spiritual practice or meditation and diet. Now, if there were three sort of actionable steps that I would ask you to do today, one would be to tell a friend who doesn't know that you, that you struggle with this because it's so important. It's so funny that when you start to tell the people around you, First of all, they don't think you're crazy. <laughs> and second of all, you'll be surprised at how supportive they become. And they start to ask, well, if this ever happens in their company, what should they do? And you can tell them what to do. Tell them, well, you know what? First of all, maybe it's don't do anything. Just just hang out with me for a little bit or get me a glass of water or maybe it's leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the... But the idea of just telling one person in your life who doesn't know, as scary as that seems, as soon as you do, you'll feel a huge relief and it won't be as big of a deal as you built it up to be. Um, the second one is re- review your diet and go over dietary things that may be increasing your anxiety. Um, I've actually offered to offer to Shan to be able to share with your uh, with your listeners a, a free sort of five page ebook that I put together. And just going over some of the things that you might be taking on a daily basis and how they're affecting your anxiety levels and actually increasing it. So to be able to review some of those things you may be taking in your diet would be something else to do today. And 
this one sounds, this one might sound a little strange, but the next time it happens, try to become the observer and not the victim. Yeah. And I find that if you can step outside and look at it objectively, it's so funny because when I was first suffering with anxiety, there's some, some practitioners and things like that would say that. And I know that they were saying that from a place of, they just, they read it in a book and that's what they were supposed to say. And my reaction was, well, you don't know how it feels. And I, that's so, so much easier said than done, but being able to really experience it and know that once you can step outside of it and look at this objectively as a really non-threatening experience and be able to just observe without judgment the things that are happening to your body instead of indulging in it and becoming a victim. Um, and I don't mean that in a negative term, but we all go there. I don't, I go there for sure. So I agree with you completely. It's as soon as I made the choice to be mindful in my life. Right. And to be able to identify something. Oh, there that is again. Okay, I've been here before. I know what to do. Yep, exactly. I have the resources. I have the tools. I have the breathing exercises or pulse points or whatever it is that I might need to to become grounded again and to and to find some humor in it too. It's it's a beautiful thing when when we become more mindful of our behavior and the things that, that go on for us. You can find some humor in it. You're like, oh, there I go again. There that is again. How oh, interesting. Let's see what triggered that. Yeah, and, sure. um, it, you know, and then it, so it allows us to lighten up a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And then it's so funny because when it starts to, when you start to feel anxious at really inopportune times, looking at it like that, like, of course I do now because this is the worst possible time of this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Then, or even, and then sometimes I think, and I'm like, oh no, you are not. This is not happening right now. I'm not letting it. And then. And then even just saying that, sometimes we'll just shut it down. And it's oh, like, sure. oh, I guess she's not going to let this happen. Okay. So. Right, right. It's, <laughs> it's really, it's, it's a wonderful place to become the observer. It really is. Yeah. So I, I'm glad that you brought that up. My last question for you is, if you had only one message that you could deliver to the Anxiety Slayer audience today, what would it be? That's a great one because with all these other messages that we're putting together, there really is the one major message is that you're not alone. And it's so funny that when I was in my doctor's office and I was first diagnosed with having anxiety and a panic disorder, which also having that label allowed me to indulge in the drama, of course. So just knowing that you're not alone and those sort of stigmas uh, or actually not stigmas, and they shouldn't give you they shouldn't give you a label. And just knowing that everybody around you, guaranteed from everybody that you know, there's at least two to three people that you're close with that you don't even know are struggling with something like this. And the more that you bring it out there and the more that you talk about it, the less those feelings will be every time you experience them. They'll just keep decreasing and decreasing. So know that you're not alone. There's always people to talk to, and there's always people like me and you. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Now, you have a delightful offering for the Anxiety Slayer following, and I'd love to hear about that and how they can get a copy of your ebook. 
I do, yes. So I put together a little ebook just for the Anxiety Slayer audience. And it's actually, we did touch on a few of the foods that increase your anxiety levels on a daily basis, but I put together the top five and I went into a bit of detail in each one of them on how they increase your anxiety levels, how they affect your brain. It's a pretty short book, so it's a quick read. It's about five pages total, I think. And there's all the contact information for me and uh, and my website, my email on there as well. And also my Twitter handle. If anybody out there is on Twitter, I am at Marg Raffel, M-A-R-G-R-E-F-F-E-L-L. And your website again? My website is www.livingelite.ca. And they can also, if they want to go straight to the uh, straight to the booklet, it's www.livingelite.ca slash anxiety. So I made it easy for you. Oh, thank you so much. It's awesome. been such a pleasure sharing time with you today. I'm grateful that you are our first guest Yay. and look forward to having many more Slayer sessions with phenomenal people like you and just really enjoyed your energy and Thank you so much for all you shared with us today. No problem. Thanks so much, Shannon. It was really an honor to be uh, to be on the show, and I hope it's not the last time. I hope to see everybody again soon. We'd love to have you back. I'm sure that will happen. Amazing. Thank you. Thanks so much, Shannon. Thank you for listening to Anxiety Slayer. You are welcome to join our Facebook community for supportive, healing, and healthy conversations at facebook.com forward slash anxiety slayer.